Genesis 1:31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. New City Catechism, question number five. Read the answer with me. What else did God create? God created all things by his powerful word, and all his creation was very good. Everything flourished under his loving rule. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Julie. We've been covering some of the basic doctrines in the Bible. We've been looking at creation. And today we continue to look at God as the creator. This is where scripture begins in Genesis. And this is the scripture that we had today, Genesis 1.31, and kind of the conclusion of the creation, uh, chapter 1. said, God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So when we ask, what did God create? We see here that God created all things and that everything he created was by his powerful word and all his creation was very good and everything flourished under his loving rule that God created and he sustained. What do you look at when you uh, look at God creating all things? What are some things that, that pop into your uh, mind first in your mind's eyes when you think about God creating everything and you just start looking into what he created the heavens yeah I, di I did that last night I went for a walk about nine o'clock just walked around the block and man it was really dark there was no moonlight there was no clouds and I mean the heavens were just brilliant i see people nodding their heads some other people went out and kind of gazed up it's just beautiful sometimes i was like wow what star is that i walked out of my house and i have a little phone app you know where you just point at it and it tells you what it is and i've been doing that for a couple of years maybe five or ten years i don't know how long Teresa was always the ones like she mentioned she looks up at the heavens uh, i'm always looking at the ground and kicking rocks so <laughs> uh, but now i'm looking up a lot more she has me looking up and uh, it was uh, serious. And man, it was just brilliant. It was just, you know, fire burning in the sky. Anyone else? What do you look at? What draws your heart into God's creation? The forest and the mountains, the forest. Worker, yeah. Just to do that work, right? And it's a passion that you love. Trees are amazing. You start studying them, boy. Whew, they're miraculous. Yes. There's birds that just do everything, right? I mean, all kinds of birds. And, and uh, there's huge bird watching clubs, you know. And you can go uh, here. I think Rifle and Shipman went last year down um, along the.
uh, Rio Grande where you can go and watch all the migrating birds land and watch them take off at dawn. People do that. Um, we still need to go and do that. We actually went. I grew up down in Roswell, and they have the same thing there out at Bitter Lakes National uh, Wildlife Refuge there. And you go out and you just see all kinds of birds migrating and landing on the little lakes out there. And every kind of little ducks and little things swimming and to all the cranes and taking off just hundreds and hundreds of them, you know, just in waves. So birds are miraculous, aren't they? They are. The trees, the stars. Anyone, anyone else want to throw in their favorite thing? Well, it's all beautiful, isn't it? It's glorious. God saw everything that he made. God made all of that. He saw it like an artist uh, looking back, like a sculptor looking at what he made. And he said, this is good. This is very good in our text today. So as I walked last night and looked at the stars and began to wonder about God and how big God is, because when you look at the heavens, you, you see his immense uh, bigness. And people used to do that. That was entertainment, most uh, especially in Israel. And see how they built their houses with flat roofs. The roofs were their decks. So you'd go up on your deck, and that's what you'd do at night. You'd sit back and look up at the heavens. And back then, of course, there was no light pollution. So can you imagine what it looked like? Now, probably, you know, 10 times to 20 times to 100 times better than what I saw last night. I mean, we could just see everything, you know, uh, so much clearer. You know, Teresa and I stop on the way out when we drive up to Albuquerque, and we're between Carrizozo and, and Socorro. That's, that's, that's really nothing out there. <laughs> There's no light pollution, and we'll pull over and just get out and lay on the hood of our car and just look up. And, man, you talk about being able to see the the Milky Way and the stars and the heavens declaring the glory of God. Um, because that's what they do. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. This is God's handiwork that you're, you're looking up at. It's glorious. How many of you like to drive fast? Like a, have a need for speed. Got to keep your hands going up. I had a friend, he, I hadn't met him very long, I was uh, here and we went over to Socorro because he wanted to look at this, this was right before I got married and I'd asked him to be the best man in our wedding and uh, he went to look at this Corvette over in Socorro and I was kind of a pretty scared little kid, I guess. <laughs> I hadn't ever driven that fast but he got in that and said, well, can we take it for a ride and everything and he's like, yeah, and the guy gave him the keys to his Corvette and we got out on that same road out there in Socorro, went out on 380, just that straight part, and we got like 100, 110, 120, and I was just like, ooh, this feels different. I'm nervous. I'm scared. But when we look up into space, the way that we measure things is we measure them kind of with the speed of light because, you know, trying to measure them with any kind of other distance measuring thing, it's hard to try to see how big God's creation is. So when we look at the moon, most of us see the moon, we were traveling 186,000 miles per second. That's, that's hitting some speed, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you've got to try to keep that in grasp. 186,000 miles, not per hour, per second. That's kind of one of the fastest things we know, like how fast light travels. We can travel the speed of sound now, and Mach 1, Mach 2, boom, and jets, you know, and they supersede sound. So when you hear it, 
over your house. Kaboom! And it shakes your windows here in Rio Doce. Yeah, those jets out uh, flying, that, that'd be pretty cool. I've, I've never done that. I've never traveled faster than sound, but humans do today. But when you get out measuring uh, space and you look at the glory of God and the heavens and how big it is, when you look at the moon, traveling at that speed, it'd take about two and a half seconds to get to the moon. You could travel 186,000 miles per second. About two and a half seconds would be there. If you wanted to go to Mars, you'd be, you know, and Mars varies in its distance, but the average would take you about 12 and a half minutes. Now remember, that doesn't sound very long, but you're traveling 186,000 miles per second, and it'd take you 12 and a half minutes to get to Mars. But when you get out to Alto, it takes, I mean, Alto, <laughs> Pluto, uh, you know, you're traveling about four and a half hours. You think, well, four and a half hours, that's not long, but you've got to just keep in grasp. You're traveling at 186,000 miles a second. You know, so an hour is a lot of seconds. And to give you an idea, if you were driving your car to Pluto, anyone interested? <laughs> I was. Like, instead of four and a half hours traveling the speed of, of light, it would take you 6,293 years, give or take a few decades, just cruising. Hey, you got 6,900 years to get there, going about six, six or five miles an hour. But anyway, you know, things are huge, but when you get out, try to get out even beyond our solar system, you're going to be traveling the speed of light for a couple of years. Um, you're going to, so you get into light years. That's traveling the speed of light, 186,000 per second. How many seconds are in a year traveling that fast? Okay, we kind of, you know, like a whole year. How many seconds are in a year? And each second of that whole year, you're traveling 186,000 miles. You know, I mean, it, it's just really fast. So it takes you a couple of years doing that to get out of our kind of solar system. If you wanted to span our, our Milky Way galaxy and travel across it, it would take you 200,000 light years. So you just leapt into something that you just didn't, and your mind kind of melted. 200,000 light years. It took you 200,000 years in a spaceship traveling. Oh, I have a need for speed. 186,000 miles a second. All the way for 200,000 years to get out of our one galaxy and then let your mind be blown again within our galaxy the stars you're looking at there's you know somewhere estimated 100 billion uh, stars in our milky way galaxy so sometimes uh, they say things like you know a um, hundred thousand million instead of just a hundred billion a hundred thousand million if you can kind of grasp a million it's a hundred thousand million that's what a hundred billion is <laughs> i don't know those numbers kind of just blow your mind don't they but then when you get out and you see how big the milky way galaxy is and you get things out there in the hubble telescope looking out and it starts picking up other galaxies and then it finds out there's about as many stars as in our galaxies there's that many galaxies All other Milky Way just out there, 100 billion of them. Now they're saying like 176 billion of them. 
maybe 100 to 200 billion. And then they recently, just in the last year or two, took the Hubble and they said, just point it, please, please, because, you know, everyone only gets the Hubble telescope for an hour or so. It's prized where it can look and gaze because it can see better than anything we can see, seeing light. So they said, point at this one little dark area in, 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 in the universe and in space and just point at it and leave it there for five days. Now, if they leave the Hubble telescope pointing for five days into one spot of darkness and just all they see is continued darkness, then what a waste. You guys just wasted five days of the Hubble pointing into nothing. But they said, let's see. And so they pointed the Hubble telescope there and left it for five days. And the longer you leave it there, the more it's looking further and further and further to try to give it enough time to see some light coming from there. And you know what? They started seeing galaxies in a place that they had never seen anything before. And seeing galaxies, 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 and light started coming out, and there was other galaxies out there. And now after they did that, they said, if some of these other places where we can't see anything actually have that many galaxies, which they ended up picking up in this little tiny pencil point of an area looking out, you know, 5,000, some other more, you know, galaxies, and you looked around the universe and you multiplied that, there might be trillions of galaxies! Trillions of galaxies, like our, like you know, similar to our Milky Way galaxy. That's how big it is. And that's like God's little thumbprint. It's like His little fingernail on the galaxy. God is big. God is wondrous, and His heavens declare the glory of God. It's so interesting His idea of creation and how different it is than uh, some of the Near Eastern. Um, religions of, of the day that Moses is writing this he's writing Genesis and he's writing creation their idea descended from Abraham Abraham was from Ur of the Chaldeans that's Babylonia and Babylonia had creation stories they had creation stories of a God that created but the God to create had to war with all these other gods so there was battles to battle for to see who was the sovereign God there's no such battle in Genesis, but there's God's battling. And then they don't make all of creation out of nothing like God does. You know, what we read today in the catechism, God made all of these things out of nothing. He spoke them with his powerful word, and they became. In other creation stories, like in the Near East and the Babylonian creation story, they were created out of the blood of, of the gods, the defeated gods. They would take their blood and create Things. They had to create with something. But the Bible says God created without nothing. Through his powerful word, he spoke things into, into existence. And we see the word being spoken, and we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the deep. King James brooding over it, fluttering over it, creating the triune God. And we see that the powerful word that God spoke, that he spoke these things, First, uh, John in the gospel says that the word was with God and the word was God. And then it says the word became flesh and that the word was Jesus. And we see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit at creation. And their wonder is gloriously pouring out. And they don't need the blood of defeated gods that they had to war for to become sovereign. God is just immediately in the beginning of Genesis, in the beginning, God, sovereign God. Elohim created. And then this God in Genesis 2, in the retelling of, of the creation story, it says that this God is 
Elohim, Yahweh. He's a God that is in covenant relationship with his people, that he desires to be in fellowship with his people. That's different than the Babylonian gods, the Babylonian gods, the Greek gods that made you know, gods out of other gods, and they were always battling and always making things out of the blood of other defeated gods, doing all these types of things. They created so that they could get man to do work because work wasn't good. So they could get man to do all of the work for them. It's kind of the idea of the Babylonians and the Greeks, you know, work, labor, that was a, you know, who wants to do that? Well, the gods don't, so they create humans to do work for them, to literally be like their slaves. This is the imagery and how important who created you and why is important. Because in these creation stories, when it gets down to the creation of man, and you start asking, well, what are we created for? In those creation stories, it is to be the slaves of the gods. But in Genesis, Yahweh Elohim, Elohim Yahweh, the Lord God, and it mentions that name in Genesis 2, it mentions him as this covenant uh, building God. He wants to be in relationship. He makes man in his own image, and he tells him to work. Now, now get work here to subdue and cultivate the earth, to develop the garden, to work with God, get your hands in the dirt. God has his hands in the dirt making man. He's working. He's done all this work in our text today, and he stood back and looked. He's a working God, and work is good, and work is good, and it's before the fall. So don't think work is a bad thing. Work is good. Work is involved in Scripture as something that we as humans are to do. Do your work and do it well and do it to the glory of God. Amen? But in, in, the, in the other creation stories, work isn't good. It's a thing you do as a slavery type of thing to the gods because they weren't willing to do it. So there's a lot of different approaches as you look at. There's a lot of application to the fact of how you see creation. And if you see it as a benevolent, all-loving God, all-powerful already, not in battle, all-loving God, who's creating out of love to be in partnership with man. You know he's in partnership with you in your work. He's partnering with you to accomplish his work here on this earth. He's calling you to something, and then he's partnering with you to do it. That's, that's a different kind of God. And it, it starts with who you believe God is as creator. When you see him, and, and the creation stories are powerful stories that, that motivate you in different ways. And the biblical story is a story that you're made in the image of God. You're image bearers. And the other thing is, is you should look at other people as image bearers. They're made in the image of God. They have value, worth placed on them by God. And so we value them. We value life. We value life in the womb. Because life is beginning there in the womb. We value that life because God is the creator of life and we value that life. We value life on the deathbed before someone dies. We value that life to the end and we value because God gave his image upon man and we value it. It, it affects that, how you see creation and who the creator God is. It affects how you look at life. But we do see the fall, and we're not going to go into the fall in Genesis 3 and the fall away from, you know, 
and sin and sin invading things. So it affects work. Sin invades work. Greed gets involved in work. Going for money gets involved in work. All these bad things get involved in work. But the work was good. God created work to do work. But work becomes invaded just like everything else becomes invaded with sin. People get into doing it for wrong reasons, wrong motives. And it's hard to fight for work, for, for work to be good, to work to be uh, what God made it to be. Because there's thorns and thistles growing everywhere where you try to do something good. And right when you start getting it good, something else hits it and makes it bad again. And it's a struggle in our life because of sin. It's like battling against sin. We battle against work. God established marriage before the fall, but we battle in marriage for the same reasons. Because of pride because of arrogance, because of wanting our own way all the time. We battle even in marriage, and we battle in work and all these things. But God created them, and when he stood back in Genesis 1 in our text today, he said it was good. It was very good. He stood back, and creation was good, very good. So we see the fall corrupted things, but then we see God so intent on his creation that he's not going to give up on it. He's going to redeem it. He's going to redeem creation and redeem humanity. Along with redeeming humanity, he's going to redeem all of creation because he gave humans rule over all those things we mentioned today, you know, on the earth. Birds of the sky, sea, the fish. Who mentioned fish, man? They're amazing. Deep sea creatures, man. Will Smith, that new thing that he, that he made for National Geographic. He goes down in that little fall into the depths of the where no human being had ever been before into the darkness and then they, they he goes, well there's nothing here you know, it's just darkness down here in the depths of the ocean and they go well just wait a minute and they turn on a little light for a second, beep, and it's little, there's three people crammed in this little boat under pressure that would just crush you you know, if you weren't in there and then they turn it off and then all of a sudden these little light things start swimming by there's creation in the depths of the darkest places and the depths of the sea that God made. There's life there and, and his creation, and it's everywhere. And, and, and God cares for his creation, and he's redeeming it, and he does it by redeeming man because man he gave authority over his creation. So he's got to redeem you. He's got to save you. So how's he going to do it? Through Jesus. The one who created all things with him is going to go down in the covenant that he made with the eternal son before the foundation of the world. They had a plan to redeem their fallen creation before it fell. He's a master architect, man. I mean, he knows everything from beginning to end. I mean, like no one's going to outsmart him and outmove him. And he loves his creation and he wants it to flourish and sin looks like to us, it's just invaded everything. It's like this black vine that's just gone up this muck and just all over everything. And how could he ever redeem it a lot of times? And we look at other humans that way too. They're lost, man. They're so lost. They're hater murderers, just this and that, and just people. And then and God's like, they're made in my image. And I'm going for them. I'm redeeming people and I'm redeeming my creation and read the end of the book, I redeem it. And we redeem even up to what we've seen already because Jesus has come. And this culmination of his redemption story through all of the Old Testament has reached its pinnacle, high point, when a man named Jesus Christ 
hung upon a tree. This is the pinnacle of him saying, I created everything and it's very good and I'm redeeming it back. And that redemption, that turnaround, that new creation in Christ started at the cross when his blood ran down to redeem things. So in Colossians, this beautiful him they say a song saying who jesus is that he is in the image of god he is the image of god jesus in colossians 1 and 16 it goes on to say for by him this jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth that means everything visible and invisible the things you can't see that was in the prayer Teresa mentioned today god's made all things whether you can see them or not thrones dominions rulers authorities things created through him and for him they're all ultimately for him you are created for god if you don't find your purpose in god you won't find your purpose because you're created for him all creation is created for him he is before all things there was nothing before him there was no fight there was no wars there's no father of a god he was before all things and in him all things hold together he's still working he's still holding things together he is the sustainer of the universe he is the sustainer of your life he's the sustainer of your breath he's the sustainer of all of his creation he watches over it and he cares for it all of it you humans and all of his creation he's all good and he's all loving he looks at his creation and he says it is very good So what does Colossians say after that Jesus created all these things? What does does this song uh, end in? It says that he holds all things together. Yes, and the result of all that, Colossians 1.20 says that through him, this Jesus, through whom all things were created and all things were created for, through him, this Jesus, this word made flesh who came down and went to the cross, the Calvary rose, and walked that walk and swept those bloods in the garden. He went to that tree. And why did he go through him? To reconcile. He went there to reconcile. To win creation back. To bring peace with God back. That the, the wrath upon sin and upon humanity and upon creation. For its alienation to God, he won it back. Let me just read Colossians 1.20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The blood of his cross reconciled things. Boy, this is the peak of the redemption story of all of humanity, all of God saying, I created everything and it's very good. And by the blood of the cross, I'm reconciling it back to myself. I'm reconciling creation all the way back uh, to myself and he had to do that by reconciling you and me and when you believe in the blood of the cross when you believe in the work that jesus did on the cross he reconciles you back to god and he not only makes you an image bearer that he made when he made adam in the mud and breathed life into his nostrils but he makes you an image bearer of christ jesus he makes you a new creation you're something new that hasn't existed beyond adam when he breathes life into you through the, you remember when Jesus was walking and the, dis, the disciples after the resurrection and he breathed on them? This is in John. He breathed on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
you don't see anything happening there until later <laughs> when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they become new creations in Christ Jesus and they get it. All the light bulbs fire and Peter gets up who denied Jesus and he starts preaching boldly about Jesus in front of everybody and all his Jewish brothers who have gathered from around the world and 3,000 get saved. They repent and they turn and they're made new in Jesus as the Holy Spirit's breathing. New creation life. Life not just image bearers in God, but image bearers in a new Adam, the second Adam, the final Adam, the complete Adam, the complete creation that God always designed was for you to be complete in his very own eternal son in Jesus Christ. That's reconciling. That's reconciling all of creation back to himself. And he begins with his people, his believers, and then he reconciles all of creation unto them. Romans says that, he says, uh, that all creation groans. Let's see where I have this. For their redemption along with the children of God. This is in Romans chapter 8. Uh, I'll just read verse 21. Creation itself will be liberated. Now, he's talking all about the redemption of man and the redemption of you and I as children of God. But not only, when we read our gospel proclamation at the very end it says and he will reconcile all of creation to himself at the very end because he's not only reconciling you and i but he's reconciling all of creation this comes from romans 8 21 creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay brought into the glorious freedom of the children of god as he frees and liberates the children of god he frees and liberates all of his creation and you know what creation's kind of going to look like some glimpses isaiah got some of them some of the greatest glimpses of what all of creation restored under the rule of Jesus, under the rule of Jesus' people, who have not just the image of God on, but have been born again, regenerated under the image of Jesus Christ, they have this ability, this uh, 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 happening, that the glorious freedom of the children of God, in, in collaboration with them, all of creation is liberated. And Isaiah says things like, the wolf, Isaiah 11, will lie down with the lambs. Wolves, man, they pray. They eat. They surround lambs. The leopard with the kid, with the goat, will lie with it. Isaiah 11, 5, Isaiah 11, 6, when this shoot from Jesse, from Jesus, comes and he rebuilds uh, uh, creation in you, creation will be delivered back into how God made it. And as we see creation today, isn't how God made it. And Isaiah sees it. The prophets see things. They get glimpses of things. And Isaiah says, the lion lays down with the yearling. And then he says, the bear and the, and the ox dwell together like a cow. And then he says, the lions will chew straw like a cow. <laughs> Look what he's saying. They're all like hanging out together. Little kid picks up snakes, ass around a den, snakes and plays with them. like trying to look out into the heavens and see the glory of God. When God restores his creation, when he looks upon it and says, it is very good, and I've redeemed it back to myself through the blood of the Christ, I've redeemed you, and in redeeming you, I will redeem my creation, and you will dwell in this creation that is very good with me forever. And ever. And ever. And ever. And ever. And ever. And you will develop this word, 
world with me. You'll work with me in this earth, and we will remake it like I always planned. Sounds like a good plan, right? And it's happening. It's happening, and it's going to happen. It is happening. He's redeeming his people, and he's given his people the vision that all creation is mine. It's very good. I watch over it, and I will cause it to flourish one day beyond all of your imagination. Amen? Amen. Came through the blood of the cross, his redeeming, reconciling power came to make creation new, to make you new. He's making all things new. We're going to take communion together. We have these. If you're a believer in Jesus, you want to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us, you're welcome to join us. night that Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and gave thanks to the Father for it. And he said, this is my body. Take and eat of it. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. of the world to redeem your lost creation and you did it through the body of your very own son Jesus Christ you sent him to be born of the Virgin Mary and wrapped him up in flesh your word became something we could see and behold and John says we beheld him same way he took the cup and he said this is the blood of the new covenant the cup of the new covenant my blood given for you for the remission of sins take and drink of it when you do do this in remembrance of me